engulfed by the terror of tempestuous sea. Unknown waves before you roll at the end of doubt and peril is eternity. Though fear and conflict seize your soul. But just think of stepping on shore and finding it heaven, of touching a hand and finding it God's, of breathing new air and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding it home when surrounded by the blackness of the darkest night oh how long death can be at the end of this long tunnel is a shining light for death is swallowed up in victory but just think of stepping on shore and finding it of touching a hand and finding it God of breathing new air and finding it celestial of waking up in glory and finding Thank you, Ernie and Janie. I uh, closed my eyes and uh, envisioned that, Matthew. It's opening them and finding yourself in heaven. Won't that be the day? And someday we will close our eyes here in this world. To some of us, it might be sooner than later. Uh, first service, I was in tears as I was thinking of our dear sister, Alicia, who uh, seems to have but just a short time left in her life. But then the confidence that we have that we're going to be in heaven for all of eternity, there's great joy in that, isn't there? You and I will open our eyes in eternity somewhere. Now, have you settled that? Do you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity? You say, preacher, can you know for sure? Let me tell you, I have some good news for you. It's called the gospel. And I shared my testimony about being in all kinds of churches and knowing about Jesus here. But there's a difference between knowing him here and knowing him here. And the Bible says we can know. 
In 1 John 5, verse 11 and 12, it says, And uh, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. In verse 13, it says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have everlasting life. And so this morning, you can know without a shadow of a doubt. Now, I had a hope so religion. I'll be honest with you. I hoped I was going to go to heaven. I always envisioned the scale in heaven about my good and my bad. And then I discovered that the Bible says it doesn't work that way. The Bible says, yeah, you got a lot of bad. And I knew I had a lot of bad. But guess what God does? He puts all of our good on the bad side as well. And he says all of our bad is just filthy rags in his sight. And guess what? There is no hope apart from you and I being rescued by Jesus Christ. That's why he had to die on that old rugged cross. Such a horrible death so that he could rescue us from not only our bad, but from our good too. Which in his sight is just those filthy rags. Can you imagine? That's the love of God, isn't it? To rescue us. And so I ask you this morning... Where will you open your eyes when you take your last breath here? Will it be in heaven? Celestial, new air, blessings? Or will it be in hell? The flames for all of eternity. I'm going to tell you something. That's a reality. That's a reality. We need to wake up right now and we need to discover. And if you don't know for certain where you're going to spend eternity, you can know by inviting Jesus Christ to come in your heart. Revelation chapter 3 says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open that door, I'll come in. And if, if you hear this, who's at the door? If Jesus is knocking on your heart's door, you need to respond and invite him into your heart. You see, I grew up knowing about Jesus, but when I went to camp and hearing those verses, I heard the knock on the door. And I recognized it was Jesus. And, and by simple faith, Matt, by simple faith, I, like I said, no one talked to me about Jesus. But they had us memorizing these verses the Romans wrote. And in so doing, I heard that knock. And by simple faith, I just put my faith in Jesus Christ. Not in my religion, not in my good works, not in anything of myself, but totally in Jesus. Have you done that? If you have done that, then he has rescued your soul from all of eternity. And you say, how do I know he's inside? Let me tell you something. If you have truly accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will know He's inside. Amen to that. The Bible says His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Because you see, when you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart, this Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, takes hold of you. And God's Spirit lives in your heart. He indwells you. And I'll tell you what, you know it. And in fact, the things that I used to do, it I mean, some of those things I still did. Some of those things I still do. But I'm going to tell you something. It breaks my heart today where before I found greater pleasure in it. Now I know it because God's Spirit's inside of me. He has come to dwell within me and He guides me. And, and, and God speaks to us. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. Man, I, I tell you, isn't it wonderful to hear God speak? And we have the opportunity now to come to church and to hear what God has to say. And by the way, God is not just speaking to us when we're in church, right or wrong. He ought to be speaking to us every day of our lives. 
Because he's our best friend, isn't he? There's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. If I've got a good friend, man, we're right here and we're communing and we're fellowshipping and we're walking together. First John 1 talks about if we are in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him and we have fellowship with other people. We're walking. That's how you know that the Lord is inside. You invited him in. Simple faith, putting your trust in him. And he's the one that changes us and gives us this relationship that we want to be a part of. Isn't that right, David? You can't get away from it. I mean, sometimes we try to get away from it. But I tell you what, he's there, he's in our hearts, and we want to follow him and serve him. <clears throat> and whether we're in church or we're not in church, we have been saved and he lives inside of us and he wants us to serve him and to glorify him. Amen. We have been talking about this and I don't know if I'm going to get working back there. It wasn't working the first service. I don't know if my little thing is broke. Let's see if it's broke. It might be broke. Something's broke. Are you broke? I say, man, I got two pennies in my pack. I went to the hospital to visit Chris Reed uh, yesterday, and people were throwing money in the parking lot out there. Uh, it caught my attention, Brother Jerry. I started picking up pen- or wanted to pick up pennies, and the and the guy, uh, there we go. It's working now. So we'll get back to where we are there. Anyways. <coughs> uh, God wants us to bring him glory, whether we're in church or not in church. We're at home in our relationships. And we've been talking about this. And there can't be this disconnect that, well, I'm going to be one way in church and I'm going to be another way at home. No, you're supposed to be who you are 24-7. Amen? And I encourage you, your relationships. We've been talking about that. And last week on Mother's Day, we talked about the family and how our homes are to bring glory to the Lord. And we've got to get this. We've got to get away from our selfishness and our own ambitions and our own desires. And we've got to come back to understand whether if we eat or drink or what shall we do, do all to the glory of God. We put up a big beam uh, on the Irving property this week. And someone wrote 1 Corinthians 10.31 on it. Whether if we eat or drink or what shall we do, do all to the glory of God. And I was sitting out in the parking lot and I saw that up there. And I said, praise the Lord. Everything under this roof needs to bring glory to the Lord. Can I say everything under this roof? And by the way, it's lost a few shingles lately. <laughs> everything to bring glory to the Lord. Amen. My speech, my marriage, my family. We talked about your money. How are you? It's not your money. Maybe we should change that up there. Would you agree? With God's money. Right or wrong? I'm going to tell you something. We've talked about this and how we dishonor the Lord because we don't trust Him to take care of us in our tithes and our offerings. We have a God who's big enough to take care of us. And if He asks you to do something, He will help you through it. I'm going to tell you something. That's the God that we serve. And we bring glory to Him by going out and living by faith for His glory. Then we didn't get into this last time. I shifted this order a little bit. But we want to get into it this morning, Ephesians chapter 6. So if you're taking your Bibles, there, your master, your master. We have the slides up on the screen for some of the verses, and we've run out of the handout. I guess we went so long that they put a budget on this message. We can't print any more booklets or something. I, I don't know, but I hope you have it. Uh, the glory of the Lord, if you don't, we'll, we'll try to get uh, uh, maybe a few more next week. But we have run out for this morning, so you'll have to follow along. As best you can or take notes on your bulletin there. 
When I read this in Ephesians chapter 6, and it finished up that passage with our children and families, and father's relationship, he goes into there and he says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Now what you have to understand as you read this passage here, you have to read it in context of when it was written, though it transcends time. Because God's word is not limited to one culture. But understand that Paul is writing to the Ephesus church who is under Roman domain. And they had slavery back then. In fact, slavery has been around for the history of mankind and is still around today. Now, this word that is used here, servant, comes from the word doulos, which means a bond servant. A bond servant. And when people talk about slavery today, they have some of the idea of the atrocities that which has taken place in our country, in other countries. In fact, we've even heard of late of these fishing boats that are out there and they've got slaves on it and are getting fish and selling it here to America and some of the atrocities of people being uh, owned by someone else. But can I say that slavery is not about whether someone owns you or doesn't own you. It could be things that own you as well. It could be your car. You might be enslaved to your house. You might be enslaved to your job. You might be enslaved to the problems in your life. You might be enslaved to worry. You might be enslaved to some addictions. You might be enslaved to your debt. By the way, the Bible says that the bower is servant to the lender. That's why we've worked hard to try to keep down the debts on the Irving property because we understand the borrower is servant to the lender. And right here this morning, do you know that all of you are slaves? And so when we talk about slavery, this is an incredible passage that talks about how to deal with the aspect of a bond slave to his master and then a master to his bond slave. And it's interesting, there's a good balance here. But whatever you might be in debt to or uh, subject to, you know the Bible uses this same word as servants to you and I when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. You all understand that? When, when you got saved, you become a child of the Lord, and that's your relationship. But inside of you, you have been bought with a price now I belong to Him, and I want to worship Him, and I want to glorify Him, and I want to do what He wants me to do. Amen. So that same word, bond slave, is now talking about us in our surrender to our Lord and Savior. The word master there is the word kurios, which is the Greek word for Lord. He's our master. So, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Freed from an evil master. Do you know before you are saved, you are under the kingdom of darkness? And you have a tyrannical, is that the right word, tyrannical master called Satan? When you get saved, you change kingdoms, and you come on to the Lord's side and praise the Lord. We have been delivered from the slavery of sin. And by the way... Sin, before you are saved, is your master. 
The Bible talks about this in a great proportion in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. When you accept Jesus Christ as your, your uh, Savior, you are no longer under the authority of sin. You have changed masters. Praise God for that. And He's a good master, and He knows what's the very best. So this idea of slavery, sometimes we take it in the human history and sometimes in American history and things like that. But understand that you belong to somebody. And oftentimes a man is enslaved in his own mind and needs to be set free. And we're going to be talking about that as uh, we get into this message even a little bit further, maybe next week. But notice here he says, servants obey or listen to them that are your masters according to the flesh. Talking about here in this world. And Paul is talking about those people who maybe have some stripes on their back from their master. Do you understand that? This is not your employee, employer, all right, like today. We, we complain so much about the work environments today. Listen, we need to get back to reading Ephesians chapter 6 and understand that those people back then, when Paul was writing this to that church in Ephesus, they had some very difficult masters. Now, I believe that we can tie this into today into being a good employee and to understand that as a good employee, I am a representative of Jesus Christ when I go to my workplace. I think that's been lost today. But that's ought to be our attitude, whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do. That includes going to work. Amen to that? How many of you work? Y'all work, don't you? All right. Some of you have bosses. Some of you are bosses. Listen to what he says here and catch this incredible doctrinal truths. And he talks about <coughs> your masters according to the flesh. He says, with fear and trembleness, trembling and singleness of heart. The word singleness of heart there is the word for sincerity. So when I go to the hospital in Corvallis there, and I go there, I am going there with sincerity in my heart to be the very best that God would allow me to be in my place of employment. Well, that's a novel idea, isn't it, Alex? Very novel. Some people just kind of show up for work, don't they, Alex? And they count it just, well, I'm here, and aren't you glad to have me here? You know, it's the wrong attitude that comes into people going to their places of employment today. I am here because God has allowed me the privilege to work and to earn and given me the skills. And I need to bring him glory. And here he says, in singleness heart, as unto the Lord. So when I go to work tomorrow, I am going there and I get up in the morning and I say, Lord, thank you for the job that I have. Help me to honor you as unto the Lord. I am going to serve my, and catch this, this is a philosophy that's true here. I am serving in my place of work as I am doing it to the Lord. In verse five, 6 it says, Not with eye service or men pleasers. I told you about the employee that was sleeping on the job and the foreman kicked him in the foot and says, How come you're sleeping on the job? And the employee says, Because I didn't hear you coming. That's not quite the right answer, would you agree? Not men pleasers when the boss is looking. Well, I'm going to I'm going to show, I'm going to shine while the boss is there. He says, No, but as the servants of Christ, that word bond slave there of Christ, 
doing the will of God from the... Can you imagine if God got into our hearts and just worked in this way that I am here as a servant of the Lord? Boy, that would have been a new novel idea with some of your employees, wouldn't it have been, Larry? Then verse 7, it says, with good will. Now understand again, Paul is writing to some of these people who have had uh, masters who were uh, very, very difficult. Maybe beat them with whips. And Paul is telling them to do it with goodwill in your heart. Can you imagine? That's hard. I mean, man, if the union doesn't get me this and that doesn't happen and this takes place, man, I'm going I'm to whatever. <laughs> this is a different attitude here that is being brought out as to the Lord and not to men. Everything we do, we're supposed to be doing it for the Lord. That's what brings him glory. Knowing that whatsoever good thing, and catch this in verse 8, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doth, catch this, the same shall he receive of the, what? Of the Lord. Verse 7. The same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Sometimes there is injustice here. Sometimes there are difficulties here. Sometimes there are just atrocities that are taking place here. But here is not where we're going to spend eternity. Praise God for that. There is coming a reckoning day. And even on the Sermon on the Mount where Paul, excuse me, where Jesus Christ, he brings out the ideas of the Beatitudes. He talks about those who are persecuted and those that are in great difficulties. He talks, blessed, happy are you, because someday you will be rewarded for the life that you live here. Now, let me make it very clear. Getting into heaven is not a reward, right or wrong. It is not a reward to getting into heaven. That is a gift. God gives you that gift. It's a free gift. But once you get up there, you will be rewarded for the life that you've lived since you've been saved. The opportunities that you have. And the things that we learn in church. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if I like some of these things that I learn in church. Well, let me tell you, whether we like it or not, it's still part of God's truth in His Word, isn't it? And we need to follow it. And how much better would it be for us to have an attitude adjustment now and and serve out the remainder parts of our careers or whatever it might be with the right spirit? Or someday we will stand before the Lord. Then in verse 9, he brings out a balance here. And I believe that this is... So good that's brought out here in this passage because as Paul is talking to the servants and some of them in abusive situations and things like that, in verse 9 he talks to the masters and these were saved masters he's talking to here. They were probably in the Ephesus church and probably in this Ephesus church there's the masters and there's the slaves going to church together. Can you imagine how that would be? Wow. Maybe the master would bring his slaves to church. Paul writes here in verse 9, Ye masters do the same thing unto them. What? Oh, I'm the master. Sometimes success and power corrupts the attitudes of people. Paul is saying it doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Whether you're bond or free, it doesn't change your responsibility to do unto others that you'd want done to yourself. 
Wow. That's quite a different attitude than what the Romans had or slave owners have, many of them. Paul is writing here, he says, listen, you treat other people the way you would want to be treated. Wow. Knowing that you're threatening, <clears throat> excuse me, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, excuse me, forbearing, forbidding, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. In other words, slave owner, you have a master in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And if we're going to be godly, godlike, acting like God is, then if you are a boss or an employee or a foreman, you need to be following these instructions. Amen to that? Wow. This is not optional. This is not a suggestion. These are in the imperative commands of God. Well, with that being said, I hope that we've gotten this down. Uh, We'll go into... uh, Now the defeat of the glory of the Lord. I don't know if you have these notes in front of you, but what defeats the glory of the Lord? I I personally believe that if we haven't gotten these last ten weeks in understanding that everything we do is to bring glory to the Lord, then we're going to be defeating the glory of the Lord because we're not pursuing it the way we should. Sometimes Christians live a half-hearted life. And just what I just said here about being a servant to the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not supposed to be half-hearted. I'm not supposed to be just casual in my relationship. God says, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. God says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with your heart. Do it mightily as unto the Lord. I'm not supposed to be just going out there and putting in a half-hearted effort, whether I'm playing my trombone or singing a song or preaching a message or whatever it might be, God wants my life. And we need to get away from this just kind of lollygagging through life and trying to do things our way, the way we want to do it. By the way, that's what defeats the glory of the Lord. You and I making our decisions apart from what God wants us to do. Right or wrong? And guess what? The first example is Satan. Isn't that what he did? It's exactly. You know, if I were to entitle this part of the message, is let us stop acting like the devil. Whew. Man, that's pretty strong language, isn't it? Go home from church and say, man, what you learn in church? Well, God, uh, the preacher told us to stop acting like the devil. We are having a study on Wednesday night, and this past Wednesday night, we studied his personalities. We have to understand that we have changed kingdoms, and we have a new master, and for us to be godly or to bring him glory means to reflect him, not to reflect the old master, not to reflect our selfish natures. And what got Satan in trouble is what he has brought down to this world. And has corrupted mankind by bringing to him the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You see, Satan up in heaven was once called Lucifer, son of the morning. Probably one of the archangels, a musician in heaven, as he's described. He says, how are, how are, you, how are you brought down? You had such an exalted position in heaven. Maybe that's what did bring him down. People begin to think more of themselves than they do of God. 
And he saw himself as this special person up in heaven. And he says, here it says, Thou hast said in thine heart. Satan had a heart. Lucifer had a heart. He starts thinking in his heart. You know what? I will ascend unto heaven. Now pay attention. You all know this passage. You've seen this before. You've heard about the pronoun that is used here some, so many times. I will. I will sit upon the mount of the congregations in the sides of the north. I will ascend up into the heights of the clouds. I'll be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. To act like Satan is to put our pride in our direction in our hands rather than let God direct our lives. Let me tell you something, my friends. He is the prince and power of the air and he has established a philosophy in life where people are going through life making their decisions and their choices without concern what God has them to do. That is being devilish. I'm going to do it. I'm going to lean on my own understanding. I'm, I'm going to do my way. You know, we have so many choices. They say, I forget how many choices in a day that a man makes. Many men pursue their lives without considering what God has for them in the direction of their lives. I think it's in Romans, isn't it, that says that uh, we are the potter. Excuse me, we are the clay. He's the potter. Mold me and shape me. And you know what? God makes us whatever shape that he wants to make us in. By the way, have you noticed that God is a God of variety? Just look around. You see all kinds of people in here with all different kinds of talents. God is a God of variety. And you look at creation. God has created so many variety of things, isn't he? We saw a flower the other day that was so unique. And I was thinking of this, Brother Brother Josh, as, as how the evolutionists, I mean, this, the stupidness of evolutionists who believes that this rock blew up and somehow it created this energy enough to create some form of life which is against the law of vitalism. In other words, non-life can't produce life. And all of a sudden, maybe these amoebas decided to get a little bit of intelligence. You can imagine these single-celled amoebas getting some intelligence and says, you know what, mm, I'm going to be a tree someday. Well, I think I'm going to be a dog someday. Well, I'm going to go be a monkey, and then from a monkey, I'm going to be a college professor someday. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? How foolish is that? That the variety, the plants, and all that we have here, just because they want to say billions of years, that all these different cells decide to go in all these different directions, and we have all this variety in our life. God is a God of variety, and He created all this. What an insult. I will be like God. I'm going to formulate my decisions. And you know, we see that permeating our society today, where people are saying, well, I don't know if it's just through Jesus Christ going to heaven. You know what you're doing? You are playing God. God said it, that settles it. But I'm going to tell you something. Where the rubber meets the road right now is where I live. And that is getting up each and every day and asking God to illuminate my path. This day does not belong to me. 
this message does not belong to me. My life does not belong with me. I have been bought with a price. And every morning we ought to get up and have our devotions. Let it be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So it will guide us and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? You have ordered my steps. Where do you want me to put them? This day belongs to Him. You see, Satan says, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And in our society today, we have been conditioned to make so many decisions, sometimes life-changing decisions based on our own wills rather than what does God want in my life. I can't challenge you enough and myself enough. Every day belongs to Him. And yet we casually approach this. We become devilish. And we defeat the glory of God by the decisions that we're making. I want to encourage you. I was reading this in Bible Pathways this morning. And and it was, you know, you just see, you see Israel up and down over and over again, don't you? I mean, they, they just, they're, they're, one day they're saying, God, what do you want us to do? And then the next moment they're going out and they're doing their own thing. We see those consequences of their uh, their decisions. Bible Pathways this morning, I was in Second Chronicles someplace. It says the result of neglecting the Bible is to lose our sense of direction from God. How can it be that we get up every day and go out into a world that is hell bent towards destruction and we enter into this world and we don't ask God to order our steps? And why not get the light of God's word into our, our, our path so we can see where we're putting our feet? Brother Mike, you had me walking up on that little six-inch wall yesterday. And I want to tell you something. You know when you're up there, you, can't, you don't casually just walk. You know, he does, but I don't. I, I know that the center of gravity has shifted as I've gotten older and one little small move. I'm going to tell you, there's dangers out there. You know, this week has been filled with all kinds of dangers that could have happened. And we thank the God for safety, don't we, Mike? Yes. I know sometimes we don't pray at the end of our work days, but we get, I, I know I, we, we, most of us do, we say, Lord, thank you. I didn't tell, honey, close your ears. You know, Mike tells me how to do things, and sometimes I think I know better. Or I don't understand how you always do it. But he says, you cut them off and cut it off. Well, I don't know if you really told me how to do this or not, but I was cutting off these studs about 25 feet in the air. And for some reason, I cut the tops instead of the bottom first. Because, I, I, you know, I thought, well, I can cut it up there, and when I cut down here, I can control it, you know, and everything. However, after I cut the top piece, I thought, you know, that stud could fall down on me. And I said, that's not very smart. But I'd already cut the top studs. So I go, and, and, and here's another thing I learned. When you start to fall, and you grab a stud that's been cut, what do you think, Michael? Stupid. You know, I thank the Lord for his safety. Do we all understand how dangerous this world is? God wants to order our steps. How foolish are we? To neglect God's word. We need it more, don't we, Matt? We need it more. 
We need to be in church more to encourage people as we see the day approaching. How is it that we can go through life and say, you know what, I'm going to decide to do this or I'm going to decide to do this. And I, You know, we get in the habit of that. God wants us to get in the habit of knocking, seeking, pursuing Him. And not just in the morning in our devotions or at nighttime in our devotions or at church, but all day long. You know, the longer I have been saved, the more I realize how much I need Him every moment of my life. And I want to encourage you, the devil, when it says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have my way. How's that worked out for him? Read the book of Revelation. He came to mankind. And he started the sin of rebellion because God told uh, Adam and Eve, don't eat of the garden of fruit of evil. But Satan knew how to get into hearts because he knew what got into his heart. It's the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And the serpent was more subtle than the beast of the field. And the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You might be sitting here this morning and you say, Preacher, you're just throwing out your ideas. I'm telling you what, I am not. This is what God says in His Word, and there is a danger. And we all today experience the sin that Adam and Eve entered into. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And it is a part of this world's system. And I'm telling you what, the arrogance of man to believe that they can live their life without God. And can I just say to all of us who are born-again believers, I'm going to be the first on the the altar to say, Lord, forgive me for those times that I have lived my life apart from you. You say, how serious is it? Well, do you think we've got a few problems today? It's because man didn't listen to God and they questioned what God said. I want to close with a, just a story I thought about this morning. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you turn your, your Bibles back there. <coughs> 1 Samuel chapter 15. The arrogance of man today to question God is an atrocity that they someday will answer to. I want to make sure and I want to check up on my life to ask myself, am I doing what God wants me to do? In 1 Samuel chapter 15, you know the story. Saul has just become the king. And uh, Samuel comes to him and he tells him, uh, he says, you've been king over the people. Of Israel, now therefore hearken thou unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Listen to what he says. Pay attention and be obedient to what God says. Now Samuel gave to Saul the instruction. And you can read on. And you read these very clear instructions. But Saul decides not to follow them. And in verse 11, God comes back to Samuel and says, it repents me that I have set up Saul to be the king. He wants to go his own way. He wants to do his own things. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel. 
He cried unto the Lord all night. In verse 13, Samuel came to Saul. <laughs> and Saul said unto him, now listen, catch on what's being said here. Blessed be thou the Lord. I have performed the commandments of the Lord. He does not get it. He doesn't see it. He thinks that what he has done has been obedient. But notice as it goes on in verse 17, it says, And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? There was a time in your life where you depended on God, and you asked Him to help you, and God helped you. But now you're getting a little bit cocky in your walk. Same thing happened to Solomon and same thing happens to a lot of people when success comes their way. They begin to think maybe they don't need God or they don't need to follow quite as closely. And so Saul was disobedient and not following the Lord in every aspect. Verse 23, notice what Samuel says. For rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft. If I don't do what God wants me to do, it's the same as what we've been talking about. It's devilish. And stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. How many... That sounds a little serious. You say, well, I don't, I don't have my idols set up in my home. Samuel is saying, listen, if we are not obedient to what God wants us to do, it's the same thing as setting up idols because you're starting to make yourself God and doing what you want to do. Is it dangerous? Does God know what's best? He has the best plans for us. Verse 24, Saul said unto Samuel, I have sinned. Now I want you to catch this. I have transgressed the commandments of the Lord and thy words. Now, Larry, that would be a good place to put a period, wouldn't it? You know, when we ask forgiveness, it's good to put a period right there. I have done wrong. But what does Samuel or what does Saul do? What does he do? He says, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. What's he doing there? He's blaming others for his failure. Do you think that's going to cut mustard in God? And you'll notice here, Samuel doesn't buy it either. He says unto Saul, I will not return. Excuse me, I should go to verse 25. Now, therefore, I pray thee. So, so Saul is saying, listen, I've sinned. But, but, but if it wasn't for people, I, I wouldn't have done so bad. He says, I, I, I want pardon for my sin. And turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Notice Samuel rightly saying, I will not return with thee, for thou hast rejected the word of God. And the, the Lord has rejected thee from being king over Israel. Let me tell you something, my friends. When we come before our responsibility for the Lord, and the Lord tells us what to do, 
We need to go that way no matter what. How many remember the young prophet that went to the king and says, Listen, king, you're, you're in wickedness and idolatry and the, the king's arm withered up. You remember that? Got leprosy, I think it was. And the young man was told, Don't go, go any place. Don't stay for eat or anything. You just go home. And an old prophet came to him and says, Listen, I've heard from God. And, and God says, you, you should follow and come home to eat with me. And remember what happened to that young prophet? He was destroyed by a lion. Every one of us has an individual responsibility between us and our master to do what God wants us to do. We need to have our ears open and we need to hearken and we need to listen. Because someday, our rebellion in our heart can take us in a path that can bring such disaster in our life. And by the way, it does. It brings it all the time. May God help us to wake up before it's too late. Father, I pray that, Lord, that you'll work in our hearts and lives. Lord, I believe that uh, you've wanted us in this series of glorifying you. And now as we come to what defeats the Lord's glory in our lives and our shining before you, is that we're not acting like you, our Heavenly Father. And I'm sure that there's probably not a person in this room that hasn't had some devilish activity or some self-centered directions or some pride. For Lord, these are the three roots and Lord, forgive us of, of entering into those things and help us, Father, not to make excuses. And as we're sitting here today and we're listening, it is my prayer that you will have spoken to our hearts and the word of God would be that plow in our soul and break up the followed ground that we might be able to see maybe some weeds that come in or some directions. And maybe there's some folks here this morning that you're just grabbing hold of their hearts. I pray for that, for my own heart as well, that we would understand how important it is to let your word guide us and your spirit guide us and help us to be where you want us to be and to follow you. Oh, Lord. I know how dangerous it is to be in my own path, my own understanding. And sometimes you let us go down that path to see how well it's going to work out for us, only to come running back to you and say, oh, God, please help us. Please help us. So heads are bowed and eyes are closed and our time is gone. But I'm going to tell you something. Your time is not gone until you take your last breath. And I take my last breath. And whatever God has given to us, and wants us to accomplish in our lives, we need to follow Him. The Bible talks about the individual priesthood of the believer, which means that I have an individual responsibility. I don't go to the priest. I don't go to the pastor. I go to God Himself to find out what God wants for my life. And if that's a call in your life or a direction to speak to somebody or something to do, you know, even as I say that, I wonder how many times God has nudged my heart in a direction and I didn't follow through with it. Does it break your heart? If it doesn't break your heart, my friend, God's word needs to plow a little deeper. A man is well nigh hopeless if he doesn't feel the prick of God's word in his soul. This morning I feel that prick. How about you? I want us to sing, God, whatever you want. You do it. Your will be accomplished.
Father, you've seen, you've heard, you know. To all of us this morning, we want to have your will in our lives. But yet I'm afraid we've gotten sometimes in such a habit of making decisions based on what we want versus what you want. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll use this message, starting in this preacher's heart to each person that's here today, that, Lord, that you will help us to follow you and to sense your light as it shines on our path and to go the way that you would want us to go, direct our paths. I know that, Lord, that you'll put desires on our hearts as well. Oftentimes, that's how you lead. Sometimes you're leading in how we pray about things. And sometimes we don't even know how to pray, but your Spirit gives us utterances in our prayers to guide us. You said you've given your Holy Spirit to guide us in truth and to show us things to come. Lord, to each one who is born again to here today, not only has the Spirit, but has the Word to be as a great light. And we are without excuse. So help us to grow. And today, some people have heard some stuff that's challenging them. Help them to make the right decisions. And we want to give you the glory. For Lord, our lives are not about ourselves. It is about you. Thank you, Father, that we can be doulases, slaves unto thee, for you own us. You are our master. You are the Lord of our lives. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you that we have the privilege to serve you. I pray that you'll help folks in their employee employer relationships. Help us to understand that every aspect of our life is to reflect you. Lord, help us to recognize when we reflect our own father, Satan himself. Help us to see how he has destroyed so much through pride and the lust of the flesh and the uh, lust of the, of the eyes. So, Lord, bring us to where we ought to be. And if there's anyone here that's not certain of their eternal destiny, help them to become certain of that, even today. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing 325. It's one of our favorite uh, closing hymns around here, but it's a hymn of invitation. And if God has spoken to your heart, we need to do something about it. You, you know, if God says, you know, I want you to go forward, you sitting there in that pew is disobedience to the Lord. Right? If God tells us to speak to someone and we don't, it's disobedience to the Lord. How many believe that you've been disobedient to the Lord this week? Can I see your hands? Mine goes up too. You know, it's, it's, the joy is we recognize it. If we fail to recognize those things, then how are we going to be guided in the right direction? So as God speaks to our heart, let's respond. Let's stand together. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. Ha, I'm the clay.
want to encourage you in your prayer time in the morning that as you ask God for direction, that there'll be a time when you're quiet and you listen. You know, we ask God to speak, and then we rush off into some direction. We fail to take the time to pay attention. Does God want to speak to us? He really does. And isn't it, Brother Ernie, so much better to listen to what God has to say? We know what it's like not following the Lord. You all know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. He lets us have our way, and he asks, how's that working out for you? Not always that well. Well, we've got some things. If there are other decisions to make, please make those. We've got some anniversaries. We want to, oh, the, oh, that's right. We've got them. We didn't have that the first service. The Malones are wanting to join the church. Amen. Are you glad for that? Say amen. We didn't catch that uh, the first service for some reason, so we'll try to get on that maybe next Sunday. We'll maybe we'll have them join twice. How's that sound? They were in our first services, and we did a anniversaries. The parade is 59 years. Amen. This past week, May 12th, and then the uh, the other anniversary. We have it up there. There you go. The Shigays and and Gordon Graham's. There they are. Uh, 56 years. Congratulations to them. Let me remind you of some of the announcements as we quickly go through these slides. Today's the last day to sign up for the King's Daughter. They're on the back table. Also, warfare on spiritual warfare on Wednesday night. We're finding out more about the adversary on Wednesday nights. Also, uh, get the applications for camp. And if you want that buddy scholarship, they're there in the back. You can invite anybody you would like to that's not a part of this church to become a part of our camp this summer. We have our big work day this uh, uh, Saturday at 9 o'clock. We have been having great work days. I think it's because we're feeding the crowd out there, all right? So you come on Thursdays and on uh, Saturdays. We feed them. They want you to sign up at the Welcome Center if you can to help uh, with some of those uh, needs. Also for uh, Vacation Bible School, all they need is 15-ounce cans, 150 of them, all right? So eat your vegetables and all the pudding that you can stomach and bring in your empty cans. And then finally, I think it is all the sign-ups there in the back. We've got our interns. I think, Drew, you're in here. And uh, uh, Patrick, Patrick's sitting up here in the front. Drew, wave your hand back there because they pay you. Drew and Patrick are old interns this summer. We're going to only feed them twice a week, though, all right? Thursdays and Sundays. They're on their own, the rest. They will be graded by how much weight they lose or gain, all right? So you sign up for that. Men's softball, Matt's back, so we're going to get together our softball teams, the ladies' tea, the work day, the finger foods, the duck baseball, all that stuff's in the bulletin. God bless you. You're dismissed.